You're listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, where it's all about helping you grow your Denver real estate portfolio. Here's your host, Chris Lopez. You're listening to episode number 10 in the Ultimate House Hacking Guide for Denver. So in this episode, we talk about starting your property hunt, walking properties, and then submitting offers. So this episode has myself, Joe Massey, Jeff White, and Preston Newberry. Enjoy. Great. Well, we'll jump into it here. And before we jump into going out there and uh, you know putting offers in, we put together a very simple checklist. Now, this is not all comprehensive or anything like that. But as you know, usually the way it works is you know, Press and I and a couple of the members of our team we sit down and have an investor strategy session with our clients or our potential clients or future clients. And you know, figure out their goals, figure out their strategy, and we put together a loose framework for their strategy. Uh, but it's not like then we go out the next day and look at properties. We have certain items that we need to do uh, to make sure we set ourselves up and clients up for success. In the previous module, we talked about putting together an investor education program, and that's a big part of what we do with our clients. So here's a checklist that uh, I we take care, we do with our clients. I'd recommend you guys consider as well. So the first thing to talk about, if I get the PowerPoints to work, there we go, is that you need to pick your agent. And by picking your agent, uh, that really means signing your buyer agency agreement. Preston, what the heck is a buyer agency agreement? So in Colorado, um, you know, basically we have some legal documents that uh, employ an agent uh, to work for you. And what this does is it establishes a fiduciary agreement um, between an agent and the buyer. And this is what allows them also to get paid from a seller uh, when a transaction closes. So, um, you know, I know a lot of agents out there will go, you know, show properties or engage with clients without having this stuff signed. But um, this is something that's really, really important. There's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, personal information floating around. There's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. And you want to make sure that, you know, you have an agent that is uh, representing you and has your best interests at heart from day one. So this is something that we feel is really, really important to you know establish that relationship um, and you know have them you know in your corner for you from the beginning. It's no different than uh, signing an engagement letter with an attorney or something like that. You know, basically just establishes that relationship and and outlines how that relationship is going to work and and all that good stuff. So something that's really, really important um, as you begin the process once you you know find an agent that you're going to work with. Uh, this is something they should present to you right away. Yes. And another thing you want to make sure you have on your team is selecting your lender and having your pre-approval letter. Now, a common mistake that we see some investors make is that, they, hey, great, I've got this lender lined up and I got this pre-approval letter. Then we go under contract and then a week or two later, they're like, oh, well, now I'm shopping off different lenders. Um, you know, while you have every right to do that, just realize that can throw some major curveballs in the process there because, hey, we're, we're moving forward in this direction and now you're throwing us a big curveball there. And as we mentioned in the previous uh, module, that there's a lot more to lenders that people really don't understand and appreciate other than saying, oh, here's your loan, here's your interest rate, here's the money you need to bring to the closing table. They do a lot more behind the scenes and they also help us a lot with getting uh, properties under contract as well. So my recommendation is, you know, kind of 
This is wanting to know your team before you actually go out there and start putting offers in. Now, I realize that there are definitely some circumstances where you're going to contract, things change, and yeah, you need to go out there and talk to your front lender or do something else. That's perfectly fine. But as we said in the previous module, that's not the time to go out there and say, hey, who can save you 50 bucks on a loan or $20 a month and start shopping uh, different lenders because that can definitely throw some curveballs in there. So know your lender and definitely have your pre-approval letter with them. And one of our rules of thumb here with our clients is, uh, you know, for the most part, we always have them sign a buyer's industry document up front. And part of that reason is because we put a lot of time into that investor education up front. You know, we'll spend hours and hours and hours helping them understand their strategy. So we want to make sure that we're committed to each other. Uh, but also, you got to have your pre-approval letter. Preston, how do you feel about writing an offer with no pre-approval letter in the current Denver market? Uh, in our market here, Chris, you're basically not going to write any offers without having a pre-approval letter. There's no uh, no listing agent or seller uh, in our market that's going to you know even look seriously at an offer that comes over that doesn't have uh, you know a pre-approval letter or some kind of uh, proof of funds attached to it. They want to make sure that the buyer that's writing an offer is going to be able to perform, and they're working with uh, you know a quality lender. Um, and somebody who's going to get the job done, you know, just goes back to that establishing your team and having um, good people in your corner to to work with you and, and help you and be on your side and, and having that lender lender there and that pre-approval letter is something that, uh, you know, you can't really move forward without in our market. And you want to know your strategy as much as you can. As I said earlier, we usually have a loose framework in mind so we know what we're doing and what direction we're going in. Now, part of our process is we go out there, we look at properties, we analyze properties. Your strategy is going to change slightly as you go out there and get that real-world feedback. But you want to have a baseline for having your plan in place so you know what you're doing for uh, what you're moving forward with. And then be smart with your personal finances. And a few modules ago, we talked about, you know, this might be a good time where you want to take your money on the stock market or bond market to make sure there's no crazy swings in valuation. Uh, but also, Joe, if I come to you, I'm pre-approved to you, I'm going to contract in the house. Is this time for me to go out there and buy my new car? Uh, yeah, if you could not do that, I would really appreciate that. A <laughs> um, couple of reasons, right? Number one, um, that pre-approval is based on how much debt you have, what's your credit score, you know, what is your income, and can you afford all of your monthly payments? If you suddenly accrue a brand new car payment for $500 a month, yeah, you might be able to be approved for that, um, but you also may not be able to afford the car and the new house. So that can trip you up. So that's number one. Um, it might prevent you from being approved. Number two, maybe you can't afford the new car payment. Great. You go out, you buy the new car. Well, guess what? Now it's going to create a lot more paperwork for you because I've got to get that manually added to your credit report. I've got to ask you for copies of all the information for the new loan that you just uh, went uh, went under on your new car. Um, and then it's going to frustrate the buyer. They're like, God, why do I have to provide all this? Well, you, we didn't. Why didn't you ask for this on day one? Well, we didn't know you were going to buy a new car, um, so we have to ask you for this. It creates more paperwork, creates hassles. I highly, highly recommend against that. When you're out looking for a property, go on credit lockdown. Don't give out your social. Don't apply for any new debts. Don't apply for you know a new Kohl's card to save twenty bucks at the register. Um, just stop applying for credit while you're under contract or while you're looking to get under contract on a new place. And then the last time on checklist is it's time to start your property searches and analyses with your agent. Now, we talked about, uh, actually, we'll talk more about this right here in this section with setting up your property searches because this is where, you know, a lot of times you know, this is the fun part. 
you get to go out there and look at and start looking at properties and start doing that search. But before we go out there and get really serious about it, you want to make sure that checklist we just talked about completed because that's going to build that foundation and set you up for success to go out there and look at searches or look at properties and then go actually go out there and execute on them. So what we do with our clients, and Press not going to tell you what we often do with our clients and just kind of take you through that same process. Now, hopefully you work with us. If you don't, I, your agent will probably do something similar, I would imagine. But what we do is we always set up property searches on RE Colorado. And RE Colorado is our local MLS board. And remember, 100% of our house acts, they come from the MLS. So this is, you know, just to be very frank, out there looking at wholesale deals, doing mailers to owners, uh, looking on Craigslist for properties. It's just, it's got a very, very, very low success rate, you know, sub 1%. So it's not worth a great use of your time. So we sell properties or, or a searches in RE Colorado. Now, Preston, uh, can people use Zillow or Redfin to get the same data? Why is this different? So, you know, Zillow and Redfin um, can be good sources to look at stuff. But at the end of the day, 99% of the stuff that um, is getting fed to those sites is coming from the MLS itself. So um, RE Colorado is going to be the first step that any agent is going to use to input a new property and to um, into the market. Um, and that gets fed to Zillow and, um, you know, some of these other, uh, you know, Redfin and some of those stuff, some of those sites. So, you know, this is the best place to look. It's going to have the most up-to-date information. And that's, that's the key right there is that uh, RE Colorado gets updated every 15 minutes. So you have the most up-to-date information, um, the newest properties and all that kind of stuff. Now, every once in a while, you'll come across some properties on Zillow for sale by owner, things like that. Those won't be in the MLS or RE Colorado. Um, but as Chris said, you know, 100% of our house hack properties have come through uh, finding properties in the RE Colorado MLS. And so the other thing through RE Colorado is, you know, Zillow and Redfin, they light us up some, you know, some, you know, key or keywords, um, you know, property search alerts. So you get that daily email digest from them, uh, which is very helpful. Now, when we set up searches through RE Colorado through our broker portal, that's the private portal that we use, there is a lot more granular details that we can set up anywhere from all sorts of you know, field searching, keyword searching, square foot searching, uh, geographical radius areas. So we can do a lot, uh, a lot more nimble and tactical with our searches out there. And this allows us to set up what we call some of our secret sauce house act property searches. And these are just property searches that we have found over the years through trial and error that do a really good job of filtering out properties that are really good house hack candidates. And as far as I know, there's no way to do it on you know Zillow and Redfin. And this is one of the few things we don't give away public on the website because it's you know it's highly valuable to us. So we do it with our clients, and we also set up some general some general searches based on the investor's criteria as well, based off of you know uh, location or commute time, uh, other things like that. So we we set up a combination of our standard house act searches, and then oftentimes specific searches as well for that investor. And one other thing to talk about uh, on Zillow and Redfin. Because I'll, I'll be honest, like I, I think their technology is great and they can be convenient. And they do a pretty good job, as Preston said, of pulling out single-family homes. But the data they pull for multifamilies, you know, duplexes, triplexes, fourplexes, is really poor. There's a huge step down in the properties they pour, pull on there. So if you're going to be looking at multis, definitely make sure you're doing that through RE Colorado because that gets the, the best source of data from there. And I think just you know for Zillow, that's such a small slice of the market. It's not worth your time to get all that stuff figured out. 
So we set up property searches and we tell our clients, hey, we're going to set up these searches and we walk them through the searches. Uh, we make sure they get activated and typically they get a few daily digest emails with the properties. And we say, hey, start reviewing them. Uh, let us know feedback and then go out there and plug them into Joe's spreadsheet. Now, as most of the listeners out there know that you know we use Joe Massey's rental spreadsheet a lot because it's a great, easy-use tool. You can take a few minutes to go in there and plug the numbers. So we have our clients who say, go in there, and just the first two or three or four properties that look really good to you, just plug them in the spreadsheet and send them over to us. We don't care what the results are like. We don't care if they're a good property or a bad property. We don't care if you're not quite sure what to do on some of the fields. And we do that because we're not lazy, but this is part of that education process I talked about earlier because there's one thing about you know reading someone else's spreadsheet that Preston or I create an email over to you. There's something else you have to go on there and say, oh, well, what's the interest rate? Uh, what's the closing cost? Oh, what's the property insurance? And it makes you stop and think about that for a little bit. And then what happens is when that spreadsheet comes back over, you know, depending on the situation, we'll either just, you know, do a, a detailed email reply or we'll hop on a phone call or a Zoom call, ideally like a Zoom call or email so we can share our screens and say, hey, this looks really good. This looks really good. This looks really good. But you know what? These variables are incorrect. Also, I looked at the property as well. And here are some things that jumped out to me uh, just because you, know, you probably didn't realize. And so then we give feedback on those property searches and those analyses. And what that does, it's a really big... I'll say mental leap for the investor out there to start understanding the process and how to analyze properties. And then going forward, as they analyze more properties and as we send over deals to them, they just have a higher level of understanding to go out there and start understanding those deals from a different level. And then after we do that, you know, this might be, hey, they send over the first two deals. Then they go look at properties, or it might be a, a few times of that. It just kind of depends on the situation and how those deals look. And then we go out there and we do what, what we call our first date property walk. And we just say that because, hey, this is our first date. This is not to go out there. This, there's no pressure. Let's just go out there and, and look at you know three or four properties that look very promising on a spreadsheet. And as we like to say, this helps match virtual reality with reality. We all know the power of Instagram filters and Photoshop and all that stuff. And you can be, oh my gosh, this place looks amazing. And then you walk in the place, you're like, wait, is this the same place in the photos? And that happens, you know, that happens uh, fairly often. But then also what we do here is we've analyzed the properties before. So we like to bring them on our iPad or print out the spreadsheet. And we say, hey, let's go walk the property. And now you understand, hey, here's what this type of property goes this part in town. Here are the numbers. And it starts matching up reality. And depending on how things go, um, we may you know, put an offer in that day. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. There's no pressure there, but sometimes like, hey, this makes so much sense. Let's move forward with it. Uh, or sometimes we go back and we update the property search and we go back and repeat as needed. And so usually we'll do this cycle anywhere from like zero to two times and we have things fairly well dialed in. Now, Preston, um, I kind of went through those pretty quickly there. Anything I forgot out uh, that we do with our clients here? No, I think we covered it pretty well. And I was actually going to ask Jeff to chime in because he's been through this process with us and, and he knows it firsthand and, you know, kind of get some of his experience and insight into, you know, how this process works and what the, 
um, you know, searches are like and kind of starting to analyze some of those properties and stuff. Jeff, would you mind kind of giving us a little feedback about that? Yeah. So yeah, where it all starts is the automatic searches that they, uh, the, your realtor will set up for you. And with Chris and Preston, the big difference is with their, the keywords that they put in. Um, it just makes a huge difference. So you're not like wasting time looking at properties that are out of your budget or properties that just won't work for your specific house hacking or nomading goals. Um, and I still, I'm on the list still and I, I still like to look at what I get over. Um, and it really comes in handy too because the more you see, because um, the realistically you're not going to find you're not just going to get that first property from Chris and Preston like, oh, that's the one I'm going to buy. You're probably going to have to look at um, dozens upon dozens of properties, um, at least from pictures and then actually going to see them. Uh, most likely, it's going to be the uh, same thing. You're going to have to look at some and the amount of... Uh, actually, I kind of find uh, deception. I, I feel like with the new virtual 3D cameras and um, whatnot, the new technology makes it less, if they have that in their in the virtual tour, it makes it less likely that the house won't be, uh, you know, they, it's hard to lie when you do a 3D camera. But when you do like a professional photographer, they could play tricks with lighting and angles and all that. So that's what you have to watch out for too. The pictures can be very deceiving and you really have to go see a handful of properties before you really know to get a feel, especially at the different price points that you're looking at. Um, and then uh, what else do you think? Uh, would no, you, guys... that, you know, that's some, yeah. some good insight and, you know, in this yeah. process that, that we've kind of put together and, and work with through, through our clients anyways, um, has really resulted in our clients being ready to act and and find properties that match their needs and and stuff that works a lot quicker than going out and having to look at you know fifteen twenty thirty different properties with your real estate agent. At the end of the day, time is money for everybody, including clients. So the less time that they have to devote to you know spending you know to go look you know at fifteen or twenty different properties, and we're able to refine that process and and get uh, you know adequate and accurate you know, properties that fit their needs over to them really cuts down on, uh, on one, the stress, right? Because they're not getting overloaded, looking at a bunch of different properties and stressed out about that. But it also, you know, streamlines the process and really allows everyone to, to be more efficient. Yeah. Along those lines too, working with Chris and Preston, they both um, really get to the numbers. I, I love the investment analysis uh, spreadsheet. Uh, from Joe. So you really can see, okay, this here's a property, here's kind of, you know, uh, all the assumptions put in, kind of what the mortgage would be, the approximate rents, and then will this prop property work for my situation? Yes or no, based on all those assumptions and inputs. And so that really whittles them down. So you, Preston's right, like you won't be doing the traditional way of going out, seeing 20, 30 properties and wasting each other's time, you know, you'll really narrow it down and probably find the right one within the first handful of ones as well. So awesome. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah. 
So let's move on because, you know, the, the finding of property, a lot of times, as Preston Jeff said, this can go pretty quickly. And we all have clients say, well, I can't believe how fast this process went. And that's because we just have our steps dialed in and we're just, you know, we, we've got things figured out at this point to be pretty efficient. And we know, hey, do this, do this, do this, and helps us get a couple steps close to the finish line. Uh, and then after we start liking properties, oh, we start submitting offers now. And this is where this is where things get real because now you're signing a you know a contract. There's money attached to it. There's numbers attached to it. So we're gonna walk through the process of what it's like to submit an offer. So from this standpoint, we'll talk about what it's like submitting an offer. The next module, we'll talk about details of actually being under contract, uh, so you actually know understanding hey, once you're gonna contract, what that process is like. But Preston, tell us about the contract we use out here in Colorado. So, yeah, I think I kind of touched on a little bit earlier with the agency documents, but um, all of the forms that we use in Colorado um, for real estate transactions all have to be approved by uh, the Department of Regulatory Agencies that oversees all the real estate transactions. So the nice thing is we're not having to involve, um, you know, attorneys and legal fees and all that kind of stuff to review contracts. Obviously, we always tell our clients you're more than welcome to engage your own attorney if you have questions or, you know, want to have them review stuff, but it really helps streamline the process because, um, you know, all these forms are, are basically kind of fill in the blank aside from some uh, additional provisions and language that we can put in in different sections. But, um, you know, this just allows things to uh, move a lot quicker and know that, you know, as you move through the process, this is not something that uh, is going to change a lot. So, you know, all the contracts are state standardized. Um, we always encourage our clients, hey, if you want to, you know, check it out, review it before we start putting in offers, please do. We're happy to walk through every part of it with you just so you understand everything. And, you know, that's another big step of it, too, because when you're trying to be uh, efficient and act quickly, you want to make sure that your clients are able to review offers so that we can get them over to buyers or to listing agents and sellers as quick as possible without having to spend, uh, you know, a, a couple of days reading through a contract. So um, that's something that we always make sure to to go through up front with our clients. And the other nice thing is that uh, the program we use, TTM, is all electronic signatures. So everything we do can be done virtually. It can all be signed through your phone, your computer, your tablet, whatever kind of electronic device you're operating from. So, you know, it's not like the old days where you had to write up a, a handwritten real estate contract and take it over to your clients and have them sign it in blue ink and then uh, drive it over to the listing agent at nine o'clock at night. So, um, you know, just kind of one of those things, technology is your friend. Yeah. And then, you know, let's talk about what makes a good offer, because I know years ago when I was first getting into real estate investing, I would read all these stories about, oh, well, I'm going to go in there and just, you know, put offers in on 80 cents on a dollar. Meaning if the property is worth $400,000, put an offer in at, you know, $340,000 or some lowball offer. And that way you get the property. Well, number one, that strategy just simply does not work in the Denver market. We're in a seller's market, and you don't do lowball offers like that. But just talking about the 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 offer in general, there was so much more to a good offer than just having a price, whether that's below list price, at list price, or over list price. And there is so much more that makes a good offer, and that's something that we spend a lot of time on making sure that we can execute on. Because that's not uncommon for us to get properties under contract, even though we are not the highest and best offer. And a lot of times that's because the way we write the contract. So Preston, as we start putting, uh, you know, start talking about putting offers in with our clients, 
we start formulating a strategy. Tell us about that. So just like everything we've kind of gone through, Chris, you know, having a playbook and and different things that you can use to your advantage as you move through any real estate transaction is something that we really pride ourselves in and, and take seriously. So, um, you know, before we start putting offers together, this is something that uh, I'll sit down with our clients and and just kind of run through, you know, some different options and, and strategies as we, you know, look at uh, a property we may be wanting to put an offer in on. And as you said, it's not always just price uh, that sellers are looking for. So, um, you know, kind of laying out a couple different options with our clients about, hey, you know, we can, you know, put an offer in at this price and, and you know, let's look at doing some of these other things with the contract to make this a little bit more attractive to a seller. And just, you know, laying out all those tools that we have uh, in our tool bag so that we can um, use them, you know, to the best of our ability and, and to the best success of the client. And a big part of this, too, is, um, you know, every time I put an offer in, we are picking up the phone and we're talking to the other agent. And as we tell people about this, it's like, oh, well, really, why? Well, it's because at the end of the day, it is still a people business. You know, this is sales, this is negotiating. And there's always someone at the other end of the contract, someone on the other end of CTM. And we want to make sure we talk to that person. And really for two reasons. One is so they, you know, understand who we are, our reputation that we were act together, but also so we can understand what the listing agent and most importantly, what the seller is looking for. And sometimes that is the absolute highest and best price. Great. Well, we, we will know that. We'll know, hey, are there multiple offers on the table? Do we need to get this offer by a certain time? But also we're hoping to find out what, you know, there's other needs that the seller may have, which may not be the highest price offer and be like, you know what? They're worried about, um, selling this place, but then they have to buy another place. Oh, well, now we might say, hey, well, if we give you a flexible closing date to help your seller find another place, would that be more attractive? Absolutely. Or um, we can offer them a post-occupancy agreement so, hey, they can close and stay there for a few weeks. So we can structure the deal or structure the offer to make it fit the seller's needs and wants. And that often helps us, you know, win out the contracts as well. And again, it establishes a relationship with the agent because when you've got, you know, eight offers, you know, we're one of eight offers sometimes sometimes going on a property, you want that connection on there. So it's not just a contract numbers, but it's, oh, contract one, contract two, contract three. Oh, yeah, I talked to these guys. Oh, yeah, they, you know, they have their act together. And, you know, that just always helps with that emotional need to the listing agent, which then translate to when that agent presents their sellers as well. So again, it's not just price, it's not just numbers. And then when it comes to submitting an offer, uh, this is a question we get. Does it cost money? And to submit the offer, it actually does not cost any money out here in Colorado to do that. Now, you may have some other fees because once you submit the offer, and if it is accepted, well, you have to go give your earnest money or your good faith money. This is usually, you know, three to $10,000, depending on a few things. And you can go drop off a check. Uh, many times people will wire it in there. Well, if you wire it in there, you get a $20 wire fee. Uh, and then as we go further down the road, you know, a week into the contract, it'll be time to do your inspection period. And if you do your inspection, sewer, radon testing, that's going to be $600, $700. And so there is money involved with that. And we'll talk more about that in the next module. But to actually write an offer, it costs you zero money other than, hey, it does take some time and it does take time to review it, but that's part of the process, but there's no money in there. And a really important thing I don't think we talked about yet, 
is Preston. Would you call our contract buyer-friendly, seller-friendly, or neutral? Our contract in Colorado, Chris, is definitely leaning towards the buyer-friendly side of things. There are a lot of different opportunities for the buyer throughout our contract. And as you move through the real estate process to have um, the opportunity to object to certain things, to do your due diligence, um, you know, when it comes to, you know, all the things that we're going to go over shortly in, in the contract and the dates and deadlines. And so, um, you know, that really allows us to be a little bit more um, strategic and, you know, want to put offers on the table with our clients so that we can be a little bit more aggressive when it comes to things like that, because we know that the contract is, uh, is very buyer friendly. So no, that doesn't mean we're just going to start throwing around a bunch of offers and then, you know, Hey, you know, we put three offers in on houses this weekend and they all got accepted. And now we're just going to back out of two of them. That's definitely not something you want to do. And it doesn't, um, doesn't show good faith to anybody, but at the end of the day, you know, there are opportunities if there's something that uh, doesn't fit for the buyer or that they have questions or concerns over that they're able to, you know, um, cancel the contract back out of the deal and protect their, their earnest money, um, and, you know, move on to the next property. And that's something that we as real estate agents and realtors are, are responsible for. And that's our biggest thing as we move through the contract is to protect our clients' earnest money. And so as we're, you know, from the time a client says, Hey, great, I want to put an offer in this place. Uh, let's talk about timeline and what to expect. Cause this, you know, this is, there is a sense of urgency there. So when a client says, hey, guys, I like this property, let's get more details, put an offer in, we say, great, we'll call you back soon, or we'll get back in touch with you soon. As you said, we call the agent, we see what's going on there, hopefully we get information, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. And then it's time to draft up the offer. So Preston, how long does it typically take to draft up an offer? Um, you know, I'd say, Chris, uh, for most of our standard offers, we can usually draft something up within, uh, within an hour, um, you know, from the time that we say, hey, we want to put something together to, hey, uh, you know, we're on the phone with the listing agent, we're gathering all the info that we need. Um, and that's something I think that, you know, sets us apart as well is that we move very, very fast and efficiently. And that just goes back to some of the things we've talked about in, in previous modules about, um, you know, having a, a team that allows us to, to be very nimble and, uh, allows us to, you know, act very quickly when it comes to this stuff, because, you know, that, that is what we found has, has won us a lot of offers and set us apart from some of the other, um, agents around town is that we, uh, we act quickly and we, you know, put our, uh, put our money where our mouth is. And so, you know, we're getting, getting offers on the table and we say what we're going to do. And whenever, you know, agents know they have an offer coming over from us, they, they know that, uh, it's going to be a solid offer and they're, they're looking forward to working with us. And then once we draft up the offer, you know, we always review it and our client always reviews it. We make updates if needed, then we sign it. Now we send over the offer to the client. How much of a sense of urgency and a timing standpoint does the client need to review it, get back to us, finalize it, and sign it? Is this something we can do over a week, seven day, or you know, seven hours? Like how quickly does that need to happen? Uh, I mean, every situation is a little bit different, but you know, I would say, you know. Urgency is key, especially when it comes to things like this. So, um, you know, if we're working in the morning and we've got an offer over to a client, um, we would definitely want them to review it within an hour or two at most of us sending it over so that we can get it to the listing agent by the end of the day. And so, you know, oftentimes listing agents will have uh, deadlines um, for having offers submitted and things like that. So we're very confident to keep our clients aware of that and make sure that... Um, All right. And then as we go out there and we present the offer and this is, Hey, the, the client signs it and then we submit it to the agent. 
We generally call the agent. We then send them an email and a cover letter through CTM. And then we always copy Joe on here. And then Joe, when you get this email or phone call from us, what does you and your team do? We are immediately going to call and reach out to the listing agent and introduce ourselves. And we're going to talk about our experience uh, with Chris and Preston. Hey, this is our 25th transaction we've done together this year or whatever the number is. Um, and we're going to talk about how, you know, you know what you're doing and talk about, you know, how many transactions you get through to the closing. And really it's our opportunity to be that third party reference for you and your experience. Um, then we're going to talk about our own experience. Hey, this is our 100% pre-approval track record. Um, this is how our process works. We're going to call you every week on Tuesday. Um, does your current lender do that for you? No. Okay. Would this be a useful service for you? And then number three, we're going to talk about our experience with the client. Hey, the client is fully pre-approved with us. They've been fantastic to work with. They've provided their bank statements, tax returns, W-2s. They've been great to work with. Um, here's uh, the history. This is their second time working with us, fifth time working with us, whatever it might be. Um, and then we talk about what a pre-approval letter means for us. Hey, we have received all this information and we have fully underwritten this client. Um, the only thing that is hanging out there on their final approval is the information on the property. So as soon as you, Mr. Listing Agent or Mrs. Listing Agent, accept our offer, we're going to be moving forward to this final approval very, very quickly. We've removed all the uncertainty and all the doubt about the client the only thing remaining is just you accept, accepting our offer. Yeah. And so all this together, it presents a great package and often makes our offer look very, very attractive. Like, wow, okay, the agents have their act together. The buyers will qualify. They know what they want. The lender's got his act together. Great. It helps us stand out. Now, once we submit the offer, uh, nothing is official other than, hey, we have submitted the offer to the listing agent. And then the agent then presents that to his or her seller. And we really have three options that can come up. The first option is they reject it. And that can be directly. And they say, hey, we're not going with your offer. Or we just never hear back. Because offers have an acceptance deadline, usually 24 hours, sometimes 48 hours. And if we don't hear back by that time, that means the offer is no longer good. Or they can counter and say, hey, we like your offer, but we are counting you on these items. You know, it could be dates and deadlines, could be price, could be all sorts of things. Uh, sometimes it's a negotiating standpoint. Sometimes it's just working out some details on, hey, like, you know what? Uh, you said this in the agreement. Actually, there's there's one garage door opener, not two garage door openers, or little things like that. Uh, so it could very much mean, uh, you know, you know, hey, it's no big deals. It's just some details. Otherwise, hey, we have to do some serious negotiation here. Or the third option is they just say, hey, great, this looks good. They sign it, and then it's accepted, and you're under contract. So, Jeff, talking about the, uh, you know, just submitting offers, since you've done, you know, you've put offers in, you've bought a handful of properties. Uh, how fast does this happen? Because this often catches a lot of clients off guard because this all this happens really, really fast, doesn't it? Yes. I mean, usually this list talked, you know, when it's a combination of when the seller is going to present the offers to the um, seller's agent the offers to the seller. Um, sometimes they have like a set date of saying like, okay, a week from now, we'll, pr uh, we'll make a decision on which offer to accept. Um, but yeah, it can ha and then sometimes it's, they show the property that weekend and then they decide that, uh, that Sunday evening, which offer they accept. Um, and then everything in between. And, but yeah, it could just be prepared for, uh, going under contracts quicker than sometimes you think. And 
but it's a good thing. That's when, uh, that's the exciting part is finding out, um, if this is the right property for you. And that's just because you go under contract doesn't mean this, you're definitely going to close because the inspection report, the next step would showcase, um, why the property might not be the best fit. And then you have to re- start all over again and start the hunt. Uh, but yeah, the process from start to finish from when you decide, yes, I want to make an offer. And then Chris and Preston submit the offer and coming up with the best negotiation strategy. Okay. How much should we go over? Should we, um, maybe try going five, 10,000 under, you know, there's d- depending on so many different variables, how long the property has been on the market, uh, has there been other offers? Is it, um, the first day it's been on the market, will there be a lot of competition because it's a pop, you know, great price point and really nice uh, fixed-up property. So, a lot of things to think about, but really overall, it's happens could happen really quick. And working with a, going back to that team, working with a great team and really good realtors or realtor. Um, will help you get to that next step of going under contract, and especially in a market like Denver, where there's a ton of competition. Great. Well, uh, great advice there, Jeff. And we'll go and wrap up this module because this really comes down to, you know, how you search for a property or get ready, search for a property, and then submit offers. At the next module, we will talk about what happens once you're in a contract, and we'll go through dates and deadlines and, you know, a high-level overview about what your responsibilities are, our responsibilities, and what to expect. So if we can help you out in any ways whatsoever, reach out to us. All of our contact details are at denverinvestmentrealestate.com slash hhhelp, or click on the show notes, and you'll be able to find this all on there. So gentlemen, any final thoughts here as we wrap this uh, module up? No, not for me. No, I think that was great. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, thanks, Chris. All right. Well, then... Everyone, thank you for listening. Joe, Jeff, Preston, thank you guys. We'll see you in the under contract module. Hey, thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Now, if you have any questions or need clarification, shoot me an email. Or if you want to grab a physical book copy of the Ultimate House Hacking Guide, also send me an email. My email is chris at denverinvestmentrealestate.com couple other services that we offer. If you need help putting together your investment plan and buying your first or your next house hacking property, reach out to me. That's what we specialize in. If you need help with lending and financing, reach out to Joe Massey. That's his specialty. And if you need help in stabilizing and operating your house hack property, reach out to Jeff White as that's his specialty. Now, all their contact details in the show notes. If you have trouble finding them or you just want to keep it simple, shoot me an email. I'm happy to answer all your questions and also connect you with Joe, Jeff, or whoever you need to talk to. All right. We'll see you next episode.